You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleveland, Texas and meets on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleveland.com. That's Todd and I in the car. Except he's singing out to Journey and I'm singing George Strait. <laughs> I'm looking at Someday love will find you Y'all know that one? Break those chains that find you Paul knows it The rest of you need Jesus Alright um, It's what I grew up on With my dad playing the drums off beat On the steering wheel And I became a musician You know <laughs> You were inspired. I was inspired to be better. Yeah. <laughs> All right, you're messing up my intro, okay? You gotta be. Uh, so, uh, as many of you know, about two months ago, we had a, a beautiful baby boy. Uh, and a part of that, we, we prepped a lot going into this child because we were going to, to make measures to make sure that it never happened again, if you know what I mean. And so, the day after, Crystal was scheduled to go into a surgery. So we knew that, it, that for a small point, I was going to have to tend to the baby and check on her and vice versa, okay? I had to play two roles, and it was okay. So uh, before we went to the, um, the pre-op is what I'm looking for, Jonah had spit up a yellow substance. Now, if, if you know anything about babies, you, that's, you don't want to see yellow when they spit up because it could mean something wrong. Uh, so we, we mentioned it to the nurse. The nurse said, well, he's going to the nursery anyway. We'll just take a look over him while he's there. So we go down to pre-op, uh, and it took forever. Uh, it seemed like it took longer than usual, but anyway. So I got Crystal ready to go off to surgery. Because so you were I, hungry. Because I was hungry, yes. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to get there before the breakfast closed, and I get hangry. Anyway, uh, so I ate breakfast, went up to check on uh, Jonah in the NICU and found that in the nursery. Yes, I jumped ahead of my story. In the nursery. And basically, I could tell that something wasn't normal. You know, I'd had four kids. I know the way people act when things are normal. They don't really talk to you. Uh, But when they're overly nice to you, you're like, what's going on? Uh, And so I asked the nurse, you know, what's going on? And she said, well, they had taken him down for a CT scan to check uh, what's going on. Because... They were worried that the spit-up could indicate a bowel obstruction. And so I said, okay, uh, well, what is it? If he has a bowel obstruction, what do we do? <laughs> and as, you know, medical people, they're so used to it that she was just flat as day. She said, well, they have to go to Cook's for an emergency surgery. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> well, that's not a big deal at all. Uh, and so then uh, I sat with the baby. I held his hand. He actually held my finger for a while. We waited for the call. Got the call from the doctor, because uh, he was actually due to eat. Uh, and they got the call from the doctor. Everything's okay. Everything passed. All right, great. So I fed him a bottle. So as I was feeding him, uh, you know, he, he fought it a little bit, but, you know, I only had to feed him an ounce, so it didn't take that long. So I picked him up to go burp him, and at that point, he just vomited everything that I just fed him, and he began to freak out. You could tell he was almost having, like, a panic attack. Uh, and he was crying, he was screaming, and, and then 
the nurse came over and she was like, ha, ha, ha. She was acting like, ha, ha, dad, you don't know what you're doing. And I'm like, no, this is my fourth kid. I know exactly what I'm doing. And, uh, and she, she tried to help. And then, then she noticed he's not getting any better. And his color began to change a little bit. So she calls the NICU nurse on the, their, their little intercom radio, whatever it's called. And she comes over. She tries to help, tries to help. His color keeps going down. She puts the oxygen monitor on him, and his oxygen's in the low 80s. So if you know, if you know anything about that, that's not good. Uh, and his actually, his, during this whole ordeal, his oxygen actually dropped into the 70s. And, and when it started to drop in the 70s, the nurse called the doctor from the NICU over. Uh, and they got him, they worked on him, got him calmed down enough to where he began breathing. They had to suction him and all that. He began to breathe a little better. And the nurse told me, we're going to take him to the NICU. We need to run some tests on him. We're not sure what's going on, but, but we'll get back with you. And then here comes Crystal's doctor. Crystal's out of surgery. So now, you know, and, and she told me, surgery went well with Crystal. Everything's fine, blah, blah, blah. What's going on with the baby? So I told her what's going on. I held it all together. Uh, and so she, then she told me, well, Crystal's in recovery. Everything's going to be okay, okay? Just go tell her what happened. Everything's going to be fine. So I'm... I'm pepping myself up going down there going, you the man, okay? You're not going to cry. Everything's fine, all right? You're the, okay, it's fine. Okay, the baby's going to be okay. It's going to be all right. So as soon as I walk in and look at her and she goes, how's Jonah? I just go, blah. <laughs> so I got to tell her the one, the one time I was left alone with the baby, he ended up in the NICU. <laughs> He'll think that's funny when he gets older, I'm sure. And, and she just, she grabbed me and the poor, the poor, I called him nurse. It's a man nurse. Uh, he was in there. He was, he was in on that uncomfortable, you know, hugging, crying, caring. And, you know, Crystal, Crystal was very supportive. She said, it's okay. It's okay. Although she was slurring her words. So it was kind of funny because she was doped up on pain meds. But, uh, and so at that time, it was at that moment that I realized that I'm not strong and I don't have it all together. And sometimes I need my wife to be there for me. Now, that's not the easiest thing for us guys to say. But we have to understand in marriage, don't elbow him, guys, okay? Ladies, the Holy Spirit is not in your elbow, I promise. Um, The thing is, is I need her just as much as she needs me. And we're a team. And in order for us to have a successful marriage I have to be there for her when she's down, and she has to be there for me when I'm down. So that brings us to our verse uh, for this series. It's Ecclesiastes 9, or 4, 9 through 10. It says, two are better than one because they are good reward for their toll. For if they fail, or if they fall, excuse me, one will lift up the fellow. But woe to him who is alone. When he falls, he has not another to lift them up. What this verse is saying us is, is we have each other. And guys, our hope is that we would have a lifelong marriage. So that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how to build a lifelong marriage. Before we get into it, I need to set it up. Now, today is about David and Bathsheba, as you see on the the banners. And I know you're like, what? How to build a long-lasting marriage, and he's using David and Bathsheba. I know I feel the same way about it. It was a weird message, but... As I began to read more about it, I found out that these two were actually faithful to one another to the end. They started out in a not so good way, but they were actually faithful to one another until the end. So how did they start? David is the king, obviously. 
Now David was out walking on the, the roof of his house one day. Now the kingdom, the palace was higher than any other house in the land. Now Bathsheba, she was going to take a bath on the roof of her house. You're like, why is she taking a bath on the roof of her house? Okay, this is before indoor plumbing, heating. They put the bath on the top of the house so that it would warm up the water from the sun. So David was up there and he noticed Bathsheba because Bathsheba's not like a junior high football. She doesn't wear clothes when she goes to the shower, okay? Some of you will get that later. Um, she was unclothed and she got into the bath. And David, instead of going, oh, I'm not supposed to look at that, he goes, hey, girl. So he grabbed his guards and said, hey, go get this Bathsheba and bring her to me. So obviously we knew what he was going for when he brought her to him and they became pregnant. Now David goes, "Uh uh-oh, what am I gonna do? She's married and now she's pregnant with my baby. Her husband's off at war, so it can't be possible that it's his. So what does he do? He calls on his, her husband to get him to sleep with her to maybe get him to think it's his baby. But because he's a noble man and the rest of his, his troops are out at war, he refuses to sleep with his wife. So what does David do? David gets mad, has him killed. Well, because of this, the baby was born. The baby was born sick and God did not allow him to live because of their sin. And the baby actually passed away. So what we're gonna pick up on is right after the baby has passed away. So today, if you have your Bibles, grab them. Go to 2 Samuel chapter 12. We'll be in 2 Samuel and 1 Kings. Uh, their story lasts quite a long time in the Bible. Uh, but if you don't have your Bible, don't worry about it. Get the Hope Church app. Uh, you can go to any of your app store, type in Hope Church Cleveland, you find the app. Our notes are right there. But I got one commercial before we continue on to our point. Friday at 7 p.m., starts our Saturate Conference. There is going to be a lot of good things going on. It's one service, seven to nine on Friday night, and it starts at nine on Saturday. Here's the thing, it's free. Unless you need childcare, which childcare, if you ever pay for childcare, it's super discounted, or if you'd like a $5 lunch on Saturday. Other than that, it's free if you sign up. Okay, so you can get on the app and go to the events registration and sign up. Guys, I have about 30 tickets left. Once those sell out, I've got to shut it down because I can't fill this building up too much. Now, we have two services that, that fill up most of the building. So if everyone in both services decides to come, we won't have enough room. So at some point, I'm going to have to shut it off. So make sure today that, you, that I'm sure that if you sign up today, you will be fine. Uh, so if you want to come, make sure you sign up. So how to have, how to build a long-lasting marriage. Point number one is cling to each other in tough times. And um, right before this happens, the, the child that Bathsheba and David had conceived initially with their affair um, is still alive. And David, when he learns that, that the Lord is not going to allow him to live, he, that this child is going to die because of their sin, he goes into a period of mourning and he closes himself off. It's like a depression. He doesn't eat. Um, he, he just kind of disconnects from everyone. And then when, this, when his son passes away, he comes out of his mourning. He starts eating again. He gets stressed. And then he went to go comfort his wife. So 2 Samuel 12, 24 through 25 says, Then David comforted his wife, Bathsheba, 
and went to her and lay with her. She bore a son, and his name was Solomon. And the Lord left him and sent a message by Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah because of the Lord. So this was right after they made a huge mistake. They, they, had this, they began this relationship with lust, greed. They had an affair and an illegitimate child who passes. And then David feels he comes into his role as a husband and father and he goes to comfort Bathsheba because she's lost a child. They've lost this child together. And they conceive another child. And at this time when, they're, when they have made things right in their relationship. And so um, this kind of reminds me, they're, they're, they're clinging to one another in this difficult time. They come together emotionally. They come together physically and conceive this child. And so there, I can think of a time when Todd and I, um, a couple of years ago, I was pregnant with Isaiah. And my mom was very, very sick. Um, she had somehow contracted pneumonia. We did, ha- we did not have any idea. She had no idea she was sick. I'm talking to her one hour on the phone before I go to a railroaders game. And then I get a call from my grandma two hours later, your mom is really sick. And she has leukemia. So I, I told my grandma, call the oncologist. They have on-call doctors. Find out what they want us to do. And so she called. They said, get her to the hospital now. They go and get her to the hospital, start working her up. And with all of the lab work and everything, they find out she's septic. Um, I know that's a lot of medical jargon. Septic is when you've got blood or you've got bacteria in your blood and then your body starts shutting down. Your organs start shutting down. It's not a good thing. So they got her in ICU. They can't keep her blood pressure up. And all days before Pastor Todd is headed to the Dominican Republic with Justin or Pastor Justin, Pastor Gio and his dad. And... Um, so Todd and I are left with this, like, what are we going to (laughs) do? Mom is sick, deathly sick in the ICU. I'm pregnant. I've got two little ones already. What do we go? Do you go? Todd really wanted me to answer. (laughs) So I was like, well, we have a few days. Let's see how she does. Well, over the next few days, she started to improve. So I'm like, you know what? She's doing better, you know, medically. I don't see there being any other issues, so why don't you go on and go? And so he did. (laughs) And so, and of course, you know, you're thinking, oh, we've already spent this much money on airfare and all of this to go on this mission trip. You don't want to let that go. And so um, I was like, go on and go. And I did, of course, who doesn't want to go to the Dominican Republic on a mission trip? I love mission trips. So I didn't want to steal that joy away from him. And so he was, he went, and then (laughs) the day he got there, my mom turned again, <laughs> and which is the nature of sepsis, and she was not being compliant. She kind of lost her mind for a period of time, and she would not cooperate with therapy. They ended up having to intubate her and put her on a breathing machine because only because she wouldn't cooperate with them. They couldn't do what they needed to do to get her better without her fighting them, and so... I'm just an emotional wreck. I'm like, my mom is going to die, and I'm just freaking out. I'm with Todd's mom, Marina. We went and had dinner out back, and I, just I the whole dinner, we're sitting there, and I'm bawling. I remember that phone call. You're calling me saying, I need you to come home. And as far as the eye can see, all I can see is jungle. I'm like, how the heck am I going to get home? <laughs> 
Todd's mom told me that night at dinner, he was like, she said, you really need to tell Todd he needs to come home. I'm like, okay. And I, cause I felt terrible bringing him home, but I knew I, I was at my wit, literally my wit's end. I've got two kids. I'm pregnant. My mom is sick and on her deathbed. My brother and sister are across the country and I have nobody. <laughs> and so we, I called Todd and I'm like, okay, babe, this is what's going on. I'm bawling again. <laughs> I, it, I was, I was a lot of, was crying a lot. It was a crying mess. Yes. And so he, he, he comes home. It was not a big deal. He, he landed on a Sunday afternoon. I went to the airport to go pick him up. And when I saw him, we just ran to one another. And I just hugged. We just embraced. We clung to one another. And I felt calm. I felt peace. I'm like, okay, he knows me. He knows that I'm hurting. But he's here. He's my support system. And I felt like everything was going to be okay. There is no one in this world that you need more in tough times than your spouse. Yeah. 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 And, and sometimes it's the spouse that knows you the, the most and you need them the most. So the second part, you got to cling to one another, but you also need to cling to the Lord. Cling to the Lord. Second Samuel 22, verse two, he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, my savior. You save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. And guys, and he saved, oh, I forgot that last part. And he saved me from my enemies. Guys, it's easy for us sometimes to just blame God for all of our problems. But here's the thing. Our issues are not God's fault. God is holy. There is nothing in God that is evil. And so when we face evil in our lives, it's not coming from God. You know, it's very easy for Crystal and I, especially, you know, we're, we're pastors. We're serving the Lord. How can her mom have leukemia and then end up with septic, end up intubated? How, how can this happen to us? But the thing is, this is not God doing this to us. It's the evil one who's trying to come up against us. And so sometimes it's quick for us, it's easy for us just to blame God for all of our problems. When really what it is, is we just have to understand that, that bad things are going to happen. It's inevitable. In marriage, it's not going to be fairy tales and roses all the time. Guys, Disney has done you a great disservice, okay? It's not when you get married, you know, rainbows come out of the sky and, and all that. It's, it's not that. It's not at all. Now, marriage is great. It's just not what Disney has told you what it is. You will face hard times in marriage, but here's the thing. If there is no other option for you but you and me forever, you can face whatever comes your way. And guys, we're not here to tell you that we haven't had hard times. We've had a ton of hard times. In fact, we've had so many hard times, we've seen two different counselors at different times. It's not because we don't, it's not because we don't have a good marriage. It's not because we were perfect people. We understood that we needed to get some help and we needed to cling to one another, cling to the Lord and work this out because it was me and her forever. There was no other options for us. And so we had to work it out. And we got to understand that we can't blame God for our hardships because it's not his fault. We have to blame the one that it comes to. And guys, I'm here to tell you, 
fighting against Satan is a constant in your marriage. Satan wants nothing more than to take down every marriage because a marriage is a picture of the way that God loves us. And so if Satan can take down marriage, if Satan can take down the sanctity or the validity of marriage in our world, and our culture, then he can take down the church. So guys, cling to one another. Cling to the Lord. It's not gonna be hunky-dory fairy tales and, and roses all the time. It's not gonna be. And young people, if you're looking to get married and you're gonna grab the hand of your husband or wife and run through the beach, it's not gonna happen. She doesn't like to run and I don't like the beach. So, okay, sand gets everywhere. And when you're OCD, you're like, uh, sand. And you find it in everything. And it's, I digress, point three. Point three is to trust each other. First Kings 1, 28 through 31 says, Then King David answered, Call Bathsheba to me. So she came to the king's presence and stood before the king. And the king swore, saying, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my soul out of every adversity, sit on my throne in my place, sorry, (laughs) adversity, as I swore to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Solomon, your son shall reign after me. He shall sit on my throne in my place. Even so, I do this day. Then Bathsheba bowed her face on the ground and paid homage to the king and said, may the Lord King David live forever. It's in the toughest time that you need to listen to your spouse and and take their advice. You need to take their advice or you need to give them encouragement. So um, I was trying to think of a time that we, that we, sorry, I was thinking about how no one knows me better than Todd and no one knows Pastor Todd better than me. And I can um, order for her at any restaurant we ever go to. <laughs> this is true. Um, he knows my security, my insecurities. He knows my worries. He knows my fears. And I know his. We're vulnerable with each other. And in that case, no one can hurt Pastor Todd more than me and, and vice versa. And we need to be mindful of that. In this moment, David had called Bathsheba to him. He is on his deathbed or he's getting close. He's nearing the end of his life. And he's, setting, he's telling her, this is what I want to happen. And she's listening. She's respectful and hears him out. She's not frustrated. What do you want now? She comes to his side, and her response is to encourage him and praise him and honor him. And I think that says a lot about, I know that there's a lot of times, especially in our life right now, we're pulled in so many different directions. Everyone is. I think it's just the world we live in, our culture. We're pulled in so many different directions. And sometimes just him calling my name one time, I'm like, what? I'm washing dishes. What do you need now? You never do that. And, and we need to consider how, how, does that make, how does that make our spouse feel whenever we're not receptive to them or want to hear them out? I know there are times he's trying to tell me something important, and I'm like, no, can you just wait a minute? And then he's like, yeah, I'll wait a minute. But I can tell he gets frustrated, but he's hurt because I'm not hearing him out. I'm not encouraging him. I'm not giving him the time and attention that he deserves as my spouse. And... I think this is a great example. I love how she, her response is, may my Lord King David live forever. And um, I, I just think that 
that she's building him up. She has the power to build him up. She has the power to encourage him. Yeah. And we, we do have the power. We can, we can, I can build Pastor Todd up and make him feel like the best husband, father, and pastor in the world. Or I can tear him down and make him feel like dirt. Yeah. I have that power. And, and we, women, wives, we all have that power. And the Bible has a lot of harsh things to say about you if you can't build your husband up. And when my wife's behind me, I feel like I can run through walls and nothing will ever hurt me. Anybody ever feel like that? Just me. Okay, great. Uh, Number four. Number four, it is important for us to pass down a legacy. To pass down a legacy. I know this has kind of been a theme throughout, but in 1 Kings 2, chapter chapter 2, verse 1, this is David's last words to his son Solomon. Now, Solomon, if you know anything about Solomon, Solomon is the wisest man in the Bible. In fact, he wrote Proverbs. Uh, And what David says to him is very poignant. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commands, his rules, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, and that the Lord may establish the word that he spoke to me concerning, concerning me, saying, if your sons pay close attention to their ways, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel." What God was saying is that if David would be faithful to God, he would never lack a king on the throne of Israel. And guys, if you know anything about the genealogy of Christ, David is is an ancestor to Jesus. And so God's promise came true to David. He has a king in his line always, ruling on the throne of Israel. And guys, what we're saying to this is David, it was important to David to pass down the faithfulness of God. David had every reason to resent God. David had every reason to turn away from God. But in his last dying moments, he told his son, do what God tells you to do and always be faithful to him and it will go well for you. So guys, that's my quote for today is the faithfulness of God is what we want to leave the next generation. Guys, if we can't leave our kids anything else in this whole world, Leave with them the faithfulness and how God is always there for us no matter what happens. You know, here's the thing. God's faithful to us even when we aren't faithful to him. And you gotta understand that. You know, I kind of had one of those proud parent moments uh, yesterday. Uh, Noah has drum lessons on Saturday afternoons with Mo. And so since I was playing in the band this week, I was double checking with Mo, hey, is this key gonna work that you picked out for my song? Uh, So I was playing through it and I was singing through it, making sure it was good. And without neither one of us cued Noah, he just started playing drums. He just playing right along with dad, playing drums. But here's the cool thing. I didn't, I mean, obviously he's learned to play drums. I didn't cue him to start playing drums. And then I looked at his face and he was just smiling It's like, yeah, I'm in the family business now. I don't have to move out. Um, But the cool thing is, is we didn't have to teach our kids to have a heart for worship. We didn't have to teach our kids 
to love worshiping God. They see it every day from us. It's not something we had to show them. They see it every day. And Maddie's the same way. Don't give that girl a microphone or whoo. She gonna, she's gonna reckless love all up in this place. But she just sings the bridge over and over and over and over and over and over and over. She never sings the, the chorus until you're like, like, reckless love of God. And then she'll jump to the chorus. Then she'll get back in a never ending bridge until one of you gets saved. Um, she's gonna be a good preacher. Um, but the thing is, guys, the only thing that I can, I can equate it to is that they see us doing it. But every night before they go to bed, we, we, they have a little Alexa dot. Now, I know some of you are big brother, think he's come to get you. But um, every night on this Alexa dot, we ask the Alexa to play worship songs. So all night, as they're asleep, worship songs are just going in their room and going through the house. And it's cool how much of those worship songs soak into them. Like, I'll hear them singing songs that I've never sung to them before, but they hear it over and over and over on this worship album they listen to on the Alexa dot. And it's just those subtle things of just putting in the faithfulness of God in their lives. Guys, because one day all of us, all of us parents are gonna pass away, but what you leave your kids is what's going to last on. And guys, in this world that we live in, we're confusing our kids so much with all this gender mess, all the stuff they hear on the news. What our kids need to hear is how much God loves them cares for them and wants them to, to prosper and develop. And guys, that's what we have to show our kids. And that's the lasting legacy that we have to lead them. Now, because you got to understand, guys, one day your kids are going to get married. Do, they, do you want your kids to marry a spouse like you? Because more than likely, they're going to look at you and what you had and either emulate it or try to run away, as far away from it as they can. My hope is that one day my kids are gonna go, you know what, mom and dad weren't perfect. They yelled at each other a lot, but they still loved each other. They cared for each other. That's what I want. I want someone to love me forever. So what does this mean for us? What does this mean for you in your life today? I always try to end with, Three questions today is two statements and a question uh, because I felt like I just needed to, to drive it home. Statement number one is God can redeem whatever you have going on right now. Guys, if you're married, if you're not married, listen up. Primarily married people first, then I'll get to you single people in just a second. Married people, whatever is going on in your marriage, God is bigger God can heal it. God can redeem it. Whatever is broken in your life, God can fix it. Now, it takes a little bit of work on your part. Now, I'm here to tell you, marriage is not 50-50. It's 100-100. It's giving each other all, all the time. It's not easy. It, in fact, if you ever want to see, I tell young people, if you ever want to see how selfish you are, just get married. It'll show you exactly how selfish you are. But guys, I'm here to tell you, there's nothing that's going on in your marriage today that God can't fix. Sometimes you need a little help. Sometimes you got to go see a counselor. Sometimes you just have to just shut up and say, babe, I love you. I'm sorry. Even though I'm right all the time and she's always wrong. I say that I'm wrong and I love her. 
because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that she's wrong all the time if she's not happy, right? I love you. I'm just having fun looking at Rachel and Terry right now. (laughs) But guys, what I'm saying to you is there's been many a times that I've had to stop and go, babe, I'm sorry, I messed up. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a bullheaded guy. I don't know what she's doing over here, but I'm kind, of, I'm kind of a kick the door in and ask questions later kind of guy. And with, with feelings and emotions, sometimes that doesn't work. And so there's been many times I've had to go back to my wife and say, babe, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? But here's the thing. Guys, if there's no other option in your life other than you and me forever, you can conquer anything. Number two, God is your rock in hard times. I love Todd, and, I, and I'm, I need to cling to him in difficult times, but it is God. <laughs> it is God who gets us through those difficult times. He's there. We support each other. We're, we're on the same team, but, but God is the referee. <laughs> and like Pastor Todd said a few weeks ago, you've got a triangle. You're at one end and your, your spouse is on the other. And God is at the top. Yeah. And if y'all are both working on your relationship with the Lord and growing and doing your Bible studies, then as you grow with the Lord, y'all will grow closer together. And that's why you turn to him. You know, there when I was having my surgery, I was so scared, um, just because as a nurse, you work in the medical field, and... You know too much. You know too much. There's this rumor or this thing that goes around called the nurse curse, and it seems like bad things happen to nurses, (laughs) which happened to Jonah, I feel like. So you worry, okay. It happened to me this time. <laughs> are, they going, are they going to slice something they're not supposed to slice whenever they're, they're doing my surgery or something like that? It just is scary. And I was really nervous. And Todd, Pastor Todd knew. So he just, he just laid, he, he just kind of stood over my bed and he, he said, let's pray. And so, and that just, he, he was directing my fears, my concerns back to God. He was saying, I can't, I can't take your fear away, but I know who can. And that is what marriage is. It's being a team. It's being there for one another. And it's reminding each other, we don't have control over this, but God does. We know who does, and we can bring it to his throne. Yeah, because there's, there's many days I come home, and the first words I hear when I walk in aren't, oh, how was your day, babe? I love you. Come here. Give me a kiss. Sometimes it's, would you get your kids? <laughs> And I have a choice then. I can either have a good night or have a bad night, but it all depends on my next words and how they come out of my mouth, right? Now, my wife was not nice to me, but what I did was, what I do is go, okay, babe, I got it. And I go and I spank all the kids. (laughs) And then I'm the hero and things go well. Now, that's not the way, I don't, she, every, every day is not like that. There's, but there's, there's days when I, and sometimes she don't even have to say anything. I can just look in her eyes and go, everybody gets a spanking, line up. <laughs> I don't even have to know. Why are you spanking me, dad? Because your mom gave me that look. And I don't want to die, so you don't die, okay? <laughs> so the last question I have for you is this. Are you leaving a lasting legacy? What are you leading, leaving for the generations behind you? So guys, today, as I prayed for this prayer time, what God kept directing me to, to pray for was healing. 
I feel like today that there's a lot of marriages, there's a lot of lives, there's a lot of relationships that need healing in this place. And so guys, I'm here to tell you whether you're married, whether you're single, if you need some healing today, God has something for you. You didn't come into this place by accident. You got up, you got ready, you showed up kind of on time, some of you, and it's okay, we're glad you're here. And you came into this place not to just sit and go on to lunch, you came to get something, to be changed. And so what God has for you today is, it doesn't matter what you're facing in your life right now, God is bigger. It doesn't matter what you're facing in your relationship, God is bigger. It doesn't matter what you're facing in your family, God is bigger. It doesn't matter what you're facing with your health, God can't heal. So guys, I'm here to tell you today, we're gonna have some prayer team in the front and the back. We wanna pray with you today. But guys, especially if you're here and you're married and you need some healing, our prayer throughout this series has been two things. One, you've seen it kind of throughout that, that God would leave a lasting legacy. And two, that God would build here at Hope Church long-lasting, strong marriages. That was our prayer. So today is the last day of Power Couples. Next week, we start questions. And so what I want to take some time to do here at the end is if you need some healing in your relationship, we want to pray for you. We want to see God put the pieces back together in a way that was better than it was before. Because sometimes it's in our brokenness that God can make us even more whole than we ever were before. And so that's our prayer today, that God would heal anything that you're facing. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we thank you as we proclaim the stories that Crystal and I talked about, that even through our toughest days, where we faced our darkest hours, from the fear of a child passing away, from the fear to a parent passing away. Lord, you see your faithfulness in your faithful hand throughout each one. Lord, I wish I had time to tell all the stories of how faithful you've been to Crystal and I, but I just don't have enough time. But Lord, I pray today that, that people in this place would be encouraged. They would be encouraged by the fact that God wants to heal their marriage. God wants to heal their life. God wants to heal their health. So Lord, I pray if there's anybody in this place today that needs healing, that needs to be redeemed, that needs to be made whole again, that they would not leave this place without having someone pray over them. Lord, because you tell us in your word that there's power in prayer. When two or three come together, there's power in that. And Lord, we know today that, that healing a marriage, healing a relationship, sometimes can't do it by yourself.